The Guardian. For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, summer is well on its way, bringing sunshine, ice creams and, well, air conditioning. Several of you, our ever-curious listeners, have written in about AC systems. For those of us venturing back into offices and workplaces over the next couple of months, or even just hoping to get out of our own houses a little more, air conditioning may be posing a particular concern. This was the case for Richard from London, who asked us, Can air conditioning in cars, buses, planes, boats and perhaps buildings spread or even atomise COVID-19? So what role could AC play in transmission? Will a nice cool breeze circulating around the office help to dilute or spread COVID-19? It can be both a help and a hindrance. It really depends on the, the level of fresh air that's coming into that space. I'm Hannah Devlin, and this is Science Weekly. Hi, it's Hannah here. Hi, Hannah. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. No problem at all. For a whirlwind tour of air conditioning, I spoke to Lena Sirik, Associate Professor in Environmental Engineering at University College London. To start us off, Lena, what do we know about how COVID-19 can spread? We know it can spread kind of directly through coughs and sneezes, the droplets that we exhale. But what about the kind of airborne transmission that can happen within a room? So initially, the thinking was that there wasn't any um, airborne transmission taking place. But I think that is changing now. And actually, this whole pandemic has made us have to think about the way that we assess airborne transmission and whether it is applicable in a particular context. So whenever we undertake any sort of respiratory activity, which includes breathing and uh, talking and coughing and sneezing. So if, you, if you're breathing, you'll be producing lots of little droplets, not very many of the bigger droplets. If you're coughing or sneezing, you're producing a bigger proportion of these larger droplets. So having said that, uh, there's this sort of fairly arbitrary distinction between what a droplet is and what an aerosol is. And within the clinical sphere, aerosols remain suspended in the environment for longer because they're so light and the likelihood of somebody across the room breathing in such a droplet is much higher than a larger droplet, which is more likely to settle quickly close to the person that's coughed it out or sneezed it out or, or something like that. So it sounds like there's a lot of uncertainty, but at the very least, we know that there is some risk of transmission through the air, just through what we know about how long the virus can survive and how air circulates and how we're kind of expelling the virus as we talk and breathe and so on. Let's talk a little bit about how air conditioning systems work. They're there in the background, but it's not something that we give a lot of attention to normally. Could you just give us a brief overview? So there are two main aspects to ventilation. One of them is changing all of the air in a particular space. And one of them is cooling or heating the air that is in a space while recirculating it. Um, so there are these two aspects. There's introducing fresh air, but then there's also getting the air within the space to the right sort of temperature so that people feel comfortable. And 
the various ventilation systems sometimes have these two aspects combined and sometimes they don't. So for the introduction of fresh air, you'll have inlets where fresh air comes into a particular space and then there'll be an extract in another area within that room where the stale air will be taken out. And depending on the ventilation system or what type of space you're in, the rate at which the fresh air is introduced and the stale air extracted will vary. And then the air recirculation or the air conditioning, as we often call it, that is there to mix the air within that space. So the air quality within that space will depend on the fresh air coming in and the stale air being taken out. Whereas the air conditioning system simply mixes the air that's within that space at that time and then heats or cools it depending on um, what setting it's been put on. And really for the air conditioner, all that happens in there is that air is sucked into the unit. Sometimes there's a filter in there, sometimes there isn't. It goes over a heating or a cooling element uh, and then is pumped back out into the room. So I wanted to come on to our reader's question about whether this kind of extra circulation of air that air conditioning introduces, whether that could increase viral transmission or is it more likely to be sort of diluting the virus in the air that we're breathing in? It can be both a help and a hindrance. It really depends on the, the level of fresh air that's coming into that space. So if there isn't much fresh air coming in from outside, then if you have a number of people sat in that space for, you know, over a period of hours, then the air conditioning unit will be recirculating stale air so that would imply during that time, if there is an infected person within that space, they keep coughing. It means the viral load within the air in that space gets higher and higher over time. And then the air conditioner is basically blowing it around to everyone else in there. But if there's plenty of fresh air coming in, uh, then the air conditioning system might help to basically mix that that fresh air in with the stale air throughout the day and dilute the number of virus particles in the air, sort of basically reducing the average viral load, in which case that would be a good thing. Another thing to consider, I guess, is also that air conditioners rarely, you know, give a uh, totally homogenous sort of air circulation rate within the whole space. And there's a notorious, you know, spot where some poor person has to sit where they're being blasted with cold air or hot air and then everyone else feels comfortable. So yeah, again, it's slightly more complicated than air conditioning is good or air conditioning is bad. <laughs> And what about on transport? Often transport has quite vigorous air conditioning systems. You know, everyone's felt cold on a plane or on a train. Do they tend to be recirculating fresh air from outside? Actually, although I think we all feel a little bit concerned about uh, being on a plane for a long time, you know, stuck with other people, because I guess it, there's this feeling that we can't get out and we don't have any control. The air circulation within planes is one of the best indoor spaces that you can be in, basically. So there's a very high rate of turnover of the introduction of fresh air and extraction of stale air. 
They also use very sophisticated filters, which are the sort of quality that you have in healthcare settings, such as operating theatres. Because there is high air conditioning on the aircraft as well. So there's, as well as introducing fresh air, there's a lot of recirculation. Um, the air conditioning units dehydrate the air. They they dehumidify the air as well. And that means that it's the atmosphere on there is quite dry. And I think that makes our mucous membrane slightly more susceptible to picking stuff up because our defense isn't is a little lower than usual, basically. But then um, as we come down to the ground, it really depends on the vehicle itself. So there are a gazillion and one different makes and models of buses and trains and all of them have slightly different ventilation systems and there's no real uh, regulation about what the air quality would need to be in any indoor space including on vehicles I think we need to be aiming for better ventilation and better rates of fresh air being introduced into the space. I was going to come on to asking about the role of temperature and humidity and whether there are certain settings that um, might be more conducive to uh, the virus spreading and vice versa, whether there are um, settings or, or temperatures that are actually helpful. So the virus seems to be uh, quite happy with the sort of temperatures and humidities that we're happy with as well. So that's not helpful for us. If you're using an air conditioning system, so a recirculating system that is uh, dehumidifying the air, it means that because of the drier atmosphere within a particular space, the respiratory droplets that that people might cough up that might be carrying virus particles, basically if, if the humidity is low, the droplets dehydrate more quickly, which basically then results in smaller particles, but with more concentrated virus numbers within them. So if you imagine somebody coughs up a droplet and it has 10 virus particles in it and it has a diameter of a millimeter, but then because of the uh, atmosphere within the room is dry, the droplet then becomes smaller. So it's, uh, let's say it's a hundred times smaller than that, but it still has those 10 virus particles in it. And then it could be blown around further. Again, a really complicated um, set of circumstances that is really difficult to unpick when you then look at all of the other things like, um, you know, what people are doing and how they interact with each other and then inlets and outlets of air, possibly fresh air from from the outside as well. It's a sort of horrible image of like freeze-dried virus <laughs> being spread around a building. I know. Yeah, flying towards you. <laughs> So might it be the case then that if you're in a building where the ventilation system is mostly just kind of pushing the same air around and cooling it down, that you'd be better off just opening the windows rather than having air conditioning, even if that might not be quite as cool? Yeah, absolutely. I think at the, at the moment, while we're still grappling with this, the emphasis absolutely needs to be on introducing fresh air and stopping the recirculation of air as well. So turn off those air conditioners and open the windows, have the ventilation system serviced, make sure that everything is working as it should be so that as much fresh air is being introduced into spaces as possible. Do you think going forward, 
it's going to change the way we think about our workspaces and other buildings and vehicles that, that we spend time in. I mean, over the last decade, there's been a lot of focus on energy efficiency and making sure our buildings are good for the environment. But do you think it's going to lead to a shift in us thinking as well about how buildings are for our health and whether they're a healthy place to be working in? Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to start thinking about how we design spaces in a in a more creative way and and improving ecosystems within buildings and around buildings. So I think slowly, slowly we're moving in the right direction. But if nothing else, better air quality indoors, in our workspaces, in our schools, in our um, hospitals and our transport systems can only be a good thing because, you know, it's not just because there's a, a pandemic of infectious disease, it's also helpful from many, many other uh, health impacts. Lena, thanks so much for coming on and um, good to chat. Thank you, it's a pleasure. As always, we're keen to hear your questions on the science behind the COVID-19 pandemic. You can fill in the form at theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions, all one word. Stay safe and see you back here on Thursday for our non-COVID episode. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.